Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our Thrive Sermon Series. During this series, we're exploring what it means and looks like to thrive in Christ. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We'd love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at valleybrook.cc, select Contact Us, and send us an email. Hope you've got your Thrive book. Uh, we didn't say this earlier, but I should mention this. If you can't find a small group, a life group, that's what we call our small groups that fits your schedule. We want to help you find somebody that you can do the group discussion part with and contact us at thrive at valleybrook.cc because we want to send you some material for those group discussions. So send us those emails so we can send that material out to you. Uh, Today, we have a special day. After this service, we're going to have baptisms. That's right. Polar bear baptisms. We got two folks that are getting baptized. You know, you can uh, can show them some love because they're going to brave the waters. Drew, I think it's going to be warmer in the water than it is in the air. So you'll get warm when you get in there. So... um, uh, not, not only that, uh, we're going to have a fellowship meal afterwards. We're going to be eating inside, so uh, please stay after for the picnic. Regardless if you brought something, we'll just ask God to bless what we have, and uh, he'll provide for us. So uh, before I dive in, would you just bow your heads and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you call us to you because you want us to be in a relationship with you and thrive. And so, Lord, we want to do life with you. Let your spirit guide us and direct us. So we pray this in your name. Amen. Today we're going to be talking about uh, the first fruit in the list of the fruits of the spirit. So if you look on the screen in Galatians 5, 22 through 23, we have this verse that tells us what the fruit of the spirit are. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, we're going to be talking about love today. And uh, I I thought about the way our our culture talks about love. And and I I was uh, driven toward uh, songs. So uh, maybe you remember some of these songs and what they said about love. Uh, in the 1950s, I think it was 1955, the, uh, the Four Aces released, Love is a Many Splendored Thing. Who remembers Love is a Many? Yeah, that's, that's an oldie but a goldie. Um, you, you know, uh, in uh, the 1960s, the Beatles uh, released uh, All You Need Is Love. In, the, uh, in 1975, who, who wrote this? Love Will Keep Us Together. Captain and Tennille, there you go. Um, Who will ever forget the greatest love of all by Whitney Houston? There you go. Um, In in the 1990s, Hathaway wrote, What is Love? Uh, In in the 2000s, and it was just released recently again, the Black Eyed Peas released, Where is the Love? Uh, You know, I would encourage you to go back there because... And look at those. Go online and even look at those lyrics. Because here's the deal. In the letter to 1 John, chapter 4, verse 19, it says, We love because God first loved us. And uh, if those songs have lyrics that talk about uh, how God loves us all unconditionally and, and uh, completely, then we under, if it's the good side of love, then we know that they learned that from God. If it's not the positive side of love, then we know that's not from God. But we love because God first loved us. Now, 
Let me just uh, level set something. As we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, let me level set with you what the fruit of the Spirit is. So, um, and, and honestly, I, I'm going to vacillate back and forth between is and are because in my mind, I just can't get it straight. So, uh, you know, forgive me if I do that. But, but here we go. You might want to write these down if you're taking notes. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit are godly character traits that arise in us because we believe in Jesus and because his spirit lives in us. They're godly character traits that arise in us because we believe in Jesus and his spirit lives in us. Uh, you, you know, here, here's the, the deal. When God created the world, our loving God created the world, and when he created uh, the, the humans, he said, be fruitful and multiply. Now, it wasn't just talking about biological fruitfulness. It's talking about spiritual fruitfulness. And so we have a command that God wants us to, to be fruitful and let those character traits of fruitfulness multiply in our lives and in the body of Christ in every year that we live. And so we have to understand that. Here's the second thing you learn. We receive the power to live a fruitful life from Jesus. The power to live a fruitful life comes from Jesus Christ. Here's the second part of that, though. We are responsible for developing and displaying the character traits of the fruit of the Spirit. Christ gives us the power. We're responsible for using it and displaying it. Now, this is important for us to understand because there are good character traits that we're talking about, but there are also bad character traits. So, so as we develop the fruit of the Spirit, we are responsible for putting off the bad character traits. And if you go back to Galatians chapter 5, you'll have a whole list of what I call the anti-fruit. Um, but we're responsible for putting off bad character traits, and we're responsible for putting on the good character traits. And here's something else. We all should seek to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. And even those character traits that may not be mentioned in that list, we should seek to, go, to grow in those good character traits. And finally, we need to recognize that our growth in the Spirit never ends. So um, the first fruit of the Spirit that Paul mentioned in Galatians 5, 22 is love. I call love the superfruit. And the reason I call love the superfruit is because when you look at the other eight fruit of the Spirit, you'll realize that love is a part of those. It's my observation that you can't have joy unless you love. You can't have peace unless you love. You can't have patience unless you love. You can't have kindness unless you love. You can't have goodness unless you love. You can't have faithfulness unless you love. You can't have gentleness unless you love. And you can't have self-control unless you love. So three things that I want us to learn about the fruit of the Spirit today. Here's the first one. Love gives whatever the cost Love gives whatever the cost. We have a generous God. Do you believe that? We have a generous God. Maybe the most familiar verse in the Bible tells us that. For God so loved the world that God gave. That he gave. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God is a generous giver who continues to give. Jesus shows us that love gives, whatever the cost. In the first letter of John, chapter 3, verse 16, this is what we read. For God's, uh, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Love gives, whatever the cost. Jesus loved and he gave, and it cost him his life. Now, I, I need to say this. Some of you are aware that there are many uh, different words in Greek, the ancient Greek language used for the word love. The, the Greeks specified different words for love, which is very different than our English language. So uh, if you were to go and look up in a Greek uh, copy of the scriptures, what word is used, every time you would find the word used here is the word agape. Agape means unconditional or sacrificial love. And so I want to quote to you something that Beth Moore wrote in her book, Living Beyond uh, Yourself. It's about love, the word agape, about how that's so important for us to understand. She writes, agape, love, is not a feeling or relationship based on common interests. Agape is propelled by the highest interest. Agape flows from what is right and best. Agape is not as much a feeling as it is a response. God commands us to agape, to love. God is not commanding us toward a feeling. God is commanding us to surrender to an act of his spirit which results in obedience. Emotion may accompany agape, but emotion and agape are not the same. Agape is not fueled by the desire of its recipient. It is fueled by the need. If God had done what humanity desired, we would surely be lost. But agape means that God did what humanity most needed. And God pursued in us that which was highest. And best. Now, I don't think I fully understood this. I don't think I fully comprehended this idea about loving in a sacrificial way, giving whatever it costs until, until I had children. And I realized as they grew up and when they hit those teenage years that I had an opportunity because sometimes they did things that, that I didn't like, that I wasn't happy with. And, uh, you know, it was different from when they were little children, and now that they're adolescents, it was different. And so I, I realized my message really needed to change it. And I said to them, you know, I love you no matter what you do. I said, there's nothing you can do that would ever make me stop loving you. And this is so important. There is nothing you could ever do that could make God stop loving you. You know, whether you believe in God or not, he loves you. Whether you uh, have uh, turned your back, once believed in him, and now you've turned your back on him, you've rejected Jesus, he still loves you. If you never decide to follow him, he loves you. And of course, if you follow him, he loves you. And he calls you to a higher form of love, to, the lo to recognize that love gives whatever it costs. Now, in theory, it's easy to love family, in theory. Um, 
But the kind of love that God has for us is one that is for all people. Those that are easy to love and those that are difficult to love and those that we don't want to love. God calls us to that kind of love. Listen, Jesus died for all people, for the good and the bad, for the sinner and the saint, for the law-abiding citizen and the terrorist, for the rule breaker and the rule follower, for all people. It's a model of how we are to love. We are to love by giving love whatever it costs us. So let me ask you a question. Can you love in that same generous giving way? Can you love in that same generous giving way? Here's the second thing you need to understand about this character trait of love. Love sacrifices to forgive. Love sacrifices to forgive. 1 John 4, verses 9 through 11. This is what we read. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. By being the atoning sacrifice for our sins, Jesus loved us sacrificially to forgive us. Through Jesus, God has offered the world amnesty for their sins. All we have to do is say, okay, I I believe that and I receive it. This is a kind of love that says, I love you no matter what. In this kind of love, God asks us to sacrifice and forgive. Love means we say, I love you no matter what. Love says, if you have hurt me, I will sacrifice my desire for revenge and I will forgive you. I will sacrifice my bitterness, my anger, my rage, my hurt feelings, and I will forgive you. Now, that doesn't mean that you may need to to do some things to work this out, that you may need uh, to get a third party involved, a counselor. It may mean that you sit down with a mediator to work things out, but, but love gives sacrificially to forgive. So let me ask you another question. Can you love sacrificially forgiving others? Love sacrifices to forgive. Here's the third thing. Love reaches out. Love reaches out. The Apostle John said this in his first letter. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. 
And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Love reaches out to love the ones that we want to love. And love reaches out to love the ones that we would rather not love. And love reaches out even to love the ones that we don't want to love. God calls us to love at a higher level. If we follow and believe in Jesus Christ, he calls us to a love that's way above the status quo. John made it clear that we are to love God. And if we can't love our brother and sister in Christ or other people, then we really don't love God. One author writes this, we can't truly love God without loving one another. To recognize that there is someone we do not love is to say, God, I do not love you enough to love that person. Let me say that again. To recognize that there's someone we do not love is to say to God, I do not love you enough to love that person. Now, this doesn't deny the spiritual reality uh, that uh, loving a particular person can be very hard because it often is and it may be a struggle. But there's an attitude of not even wanting to love a person that that is outside of the context of what God wants us to be. When we say we can't love someone, we're saying that God's love isn't enough in our lives to love that person that we find unlovable. Do you love God enough to reach out And to love that person or persons in your life that you find unlovable? Or that group of people that you find unlovable? Love reaches out. Love takes the initiative. Love reaches out to bring love to others and to understand. So right now in our country, maybe even in our communities, there's an underlying sense of racial tension. I believe it's the duty. I believe it's the calling of Christ followers to reach across the divide and connect with people of different races, to connect with law enforcement officers, to connect with anybody who we perceive that's different than us and begin to build a relationship because love requires that. Love requires that we reach across any divide. Invite somebody into your life. Invite them over for a meal. Take them out to coffee. Ask them questions and then be quiet and listen. Love reaches out. Look, all through this year, and I've been wrestling with what's going on in our country. As a white Christian, I've learned as I've just decided to listen And as I've listened to my African-American friends, what I've learned is in the African-American culture, there's something that I don't understand as a white person. There's a sense of cultural identity and community that African-Americans have that join them even though they don't know each other. And that's something that I don't understand. There's a history, there's a culture that connects them. So when something happens to an African-American person in one part of the country, they feel it in their local part of the country. It's because it's their people. And, you know, white folks don't have that sense of community connection. 
that, that translates across geography. We don't have that collective history of persecution and racism that bonds a group together. And so what I've learned is that I need to listen. And here's what I recognize. The body of Christ of all things, of all groups of people, Christ followers of all races, all colors, all nationalities are uniquely wired to be able to bridge this divide of racism in our culture because we have a Savior who loves us, who's created a culture for us of love that is different than anything else in the world. And we even have, in the words of Scripture, The information that comes from our heritage of Israel. If it's, if it's not dawned on you, go back and read the Old Testament. You know, when something happened to an, Isra- uh, an Israelite, all of Israel felt it. Because Israel was seen at sometimes as a person, the whole group, millions of Israelites, millions of Hebrews even if it was talking about one person. There's a collective sense of community, a bond that what happens to one Israelite happens to all Israelites. And that's one of the powerful things about the Jewish community today. That's one of the powerful things about Israel today is there's this collective sense of community. So of all people, Christ followers should be able to understand that because we see this whenever we read the Old Testament scriptures. So we're uniquely situated to reach across the racial divide in our country right now and whenever, hopefully never, but whenever it happens again. And so we have to take that stand that we will do whatever it takes to change the racial tension in our community, in our nation, in our world. When we love, when we love like that, It can do it. The fruit of the Spirit that we're looking at today is love. And if you think about scriptures that talk about love, you probably have already thought about 1 Corinthians 13. It's considered to be the love chapter. It's the chapter that talks about love. And and I'm not going to read it today, but instead I'm going to take one person's look at it from a different angle. And I want you to see it. I'm going to read it, but it's going to be on the screen behind you. And I've added a few that comes. These come from verses 4 through 8. I am patient with you because I love you and want to forgive you. I am kind to you because I love you and want to help you. I do not envy your possessions or your gifts because I love you and want you to have the best. I do not boast about my attainments because I love you and I want to hear about yours. I am not proud because I love you and want to esteem you before myself. I am not rude because I love you and care about your feelings. I am not self-seeking because I love you and want to meet your needs. I am not easily angered by you because I love you and want to overlook your offenses. I do not keep a record of your wrongs because I love you. And love covers over a multitude of sins. And and I add these. I will not delight in evil that happens to you because I love you and want justice for you. 
I will rejoice in the truth with you because I love you and want you to be blessed. I will protect you because I love you and I want you to be safe. I will always trust you because I love you and I want you to know I trust you. I will hope with you because I love you and I want what you hope for. I will persevere with you because I love you and I don't want you to wait alone. I will do my best to never fail you because I love you and I want you to trust me. We want to be an Acts 2 church. And if you go back and read the last verses of Acts, you'll see a church that loved like this. They devoted themselves to doing life together, to studying God's word. When one of them had need, they gave to them. They took care of one another. And we need to take that same spirit and that love into the culture. We are uniquely situated because we have been loved without limit. And our Lord calls us to love others without limit. He calls us to a higher standard of love than the world sings about. A greater love, a love like God's. This morning we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. That's why I put the chalice and the plate out here. Nothing demonstrates that clearer than what Jesus did for us on the cross and what we celebrate every time we take communion, the Lord's Supper. I'm going to close this message in prayer and then I'm going to invite you to the Lord's Supper. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you care for us. We thank you that you call us to a higher love and that you've uniquely situated us to understand what love is in a greater and a more powerful way. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us attain to the fullness of love that you've called us to. Take us higher in that love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we come to the Lord's table today, we invite anyone who professes faith in Jesus Christ to come and receive the bread and the cup. And uh, I'm going to give you just a few other instructions. So I'm going to invite the servers to come forward and prepare the bread and the cup. Let me remind you why we celebrate the Lord's Supper. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take it and eat it in memory of me. And after they had eaten the bread, he took a cup and he poured wine into it. And he said, this represents my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of sin. Take it and drink it in memory of me. Now, as I said, We invite anyone who professes faith in Jesus Christ to take the bread and the cup. So I'm going to give you the opportunity today, if if you've never professed faith in Christ, to do that today. I'm going to invite you to pray and tell him you believe in him and that you accept his forgiveness for your sins and you want to follow him. And then I'm going to close in in a corporate time of confession of sin, which we're all called to do in preparation to take the bread and the cup. So if you would all bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, As we come here today to celebrate the Lord's Supper, I recognize that there may be someone who's never told you that they believe in you and accept your forgiveness and want to follow you. So if that represents you, I invite you just to pray silently these words to the Lord. Father, uh, I believe in Jesus. Go ahead and tell him that. I believe you sent Jesus to earth. Go ahead and 
didn't tell him that. And he died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. And he rose again from the dead. Go ahead and tell him that. I accept his forgiveness for my sins. Tell him that. And now I want to follow him all the days of my life. If you prayed that prayer, you've become a follower of Jesus, and we invite you to the table. And now for all of us, we have the opportunity to confess our sins in preparation for this meal. So take these 30 seconds and confess your sins and ask for the Lord to forgive you. Let's pray. that you forgive us when we ask for forgiveness. You remove our sins from us and you wash us clean. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Scripture tells us that when we confess our sins, God is faithful and just. He'll forgive us our sins and purify us from all unforgiveness. I invite you to stand and, and you can form four lines and you can come down and take the bread and the cup from either of the servers. Please stand. I had a brother remind me that only a united church, only a united body of Christ can heal division, can heal a divided country, who can heal divided people. So I'm going to pray that we can step up into love in a greater way. We have been given the power by the risen Savior. We've been filled with the Holy Spirit to love and bridge divides, racial divides, political divides, cultural divides, any kind of divide there is, but it's incumbent on the body of Christ. Normal, average, everyday people like you and me, loving like our Savior has called us to love. So let me pray this prayer over us. Heavenly Father, you have called us to love. You have shown us what it looks like in Scripture to love. Lord, you have given us the vision to understand that we're a people and we should make sure no people feels unloved, that we should reach across the aisle, reach across the divide, reach across ethnic barriers, racial barriers, political barriers, any kind of barriers, and bring healing. We need to love sacrificially, forgive sacrificially, love when we don't feel like loving, love in a way that you love. We must rise to the kind of love that you have shown us so that the world will see us and know that we're your disciples because we love like you do. Now, Lord, we know we can't do that in our own power. So Holy Spirit, embolden us, power us, nudge us. And people, when we sense that nudging, receive it and take that step, trusting the Holy Spirit will work in you. So Lord, we pray this prayer over us. We pray that we will be the kind of people that have discovered love of a Savior and love like we have been loved. And we pray this in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. I'm going to give one more blessing. 
We're going to break some bread and food. We're going to have baptisms at uh, 1230. After 1230, we'll come back in here and eat. So I encourage you to come all out for the baptisms. Uh, Go in peace. If you'd like somebody to pray with you, the prayer teams will be up here. God bless you. I forgot to pray. Lord, bless the food that we're about to eat. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. It's our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information about Valleybrook Community Church, please visit our website at valleybrook.cc.